Hey, stand with us this morning as we open one of my favorite Christmas carols of all times. I want to say Merry Christmas. Hope you are planning on joining us again this evening at 5 o'clock for our candlelight communion service. But right now, let's lift up the joy that we have in our heart because of Jesus as we sing joy to the world. Sing along with us. Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You're wondering where I'm at? Right over here to the right-hand side, coming up to greet you. Good morning, my name's Eric. So glad that you're here. Well, what is it today? Christmas Eve, so Merry Christmas to you. I'm so glad that you are with us uh, in worship. Um, listen, if it's your 
first time or you've been here a few times, please come and say hello to us. Hopefully you had a warm welcome as you came in for the worship gathering. I'll be right out by our connect table. Would love to connect with you some more and just say hello to you. Introduce maybe some more of our friends here in the church to you and just see where you're at with that. With that being said, we're also excited not only to have this service this morning, but also a traditional candlelight service. It's just going to be a beautiful time of just reflection, just getting our, our, our hearts and our minds ready for Advent, for the coming of Christ. And I'll tell you this, it is amazing to me that over 2,000 plus years, uh, Christ followers all over the world can celebrate and really say Merry Christmas because that's really what the season is for us, is the coming of Jesus for the purpose of redemption. And that purpose of redemption, I hope, falls in your home and really upon your heart personally. I know Pastor Steve will be continuing our series that we're going to be doing a Christmas dilemma to finishing up that today. So as you're standing, would you do me a favor and would you just give a warm Sunset Hills welcome to those around you. Thank you for being here this morning.
Then Herod called the Magi secretly and he found out from them the exact place that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said to them, Go, search diligently for that child. And when you've found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. But this, this was much different. We knew at the moment we were called into the king's chambers upon arriving in Jerusalem, King Herod himself asking us what we knew of the star, this baby, the possibility of a new king of the Jews and all the treasures we've brought. I've had audiences before royalty before, but surely no one is as intimidating as King Herod. Oh sure, all handshakes and smiles with a seemingly benign request. Let us know when we find the baby, because he too would like to worship this new king. But instructions came in the night, the kind that come in dreams, dreams of biblical proportions. <laughs> Can you even believe I'm saying these things? Don't return to Herod. That's simple. That's straightforward. And so this morning, I find myself in a dilemma. Do I listen to earthly authority or the godly type? The, the world traveler, the wise man in my head, if you will, says, return to Herod. Give him what he wants. Get your pat on the back and attaboys from the man on top. Nothing wrong with climbing the ranks. Is there? But my heart, my heart tells a different story that, that this child is worth every ounce of obedience that I have to give, even if I don't quite understand the roadmap yet. You know, I've learned a few things over the years that sometimes you have to do what doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, after all, that's what got us here today, isn't it? A moving star the king of the Jews born in a barn. <laughs> What's been ordinary up to this point? Following a star seemed difficult. Then following this little king may be an even greater challenge. Yes, my friend, looks like you and I are gonna be taking the long way home.
It's of great discomfort trying to decide between two options, neither of which seem right or wrong. Your head says one thing, your heart seems to be leading you in a different direction. It's a place of indecision. If I do this, then I face these consequences. If I do that, then I have these consequences that I have to deal with, or maybe even rewards. You're not sure what to do, so you think, I'll seek advice from others. You start asking folks that you consider their opinion worthy and valuable, and once they listen to what you have to say, they, they try to give you some advice, but at best, they don't really understand the situation. They don't know all the facts, and ultimately, they can't really help you because they're not in your shoes. All they can do is speculate on what they would do, which doesn't seem to help you very much at all. So with that kind of knowledge, you begin to play it out mentally, your mind, over and over, maybe losing sleep. What will I do here? And it seems to drive you to this place of spiritual quest of insight. God, what, what should I do? You discover, really, God quietly leading you to a time of decision, giving you direction, leading you to what I would consider, what I have felt many times in my own personal life, a dilemma. The dilemma of, do I obey God? Or do I listen to maybe what seems to be reason? What makes a little more sense than doing what God wants me to do? Have you ever been there at this place? If so, then maybe you can identify with some of the possible feelings that the wise men felt, like was depicted in the skit this morning. Oh, the dilemma they faced. Not just one, as a matter of fact, but there were many that they would encounter as they were looking at this journey. Should I join in this group of wise men who subscribes to the notion that there's something special about this star that has appeared? They were curious, studying the stars. What is this all about? Whether to make the trip that following this star that seems to be moving. Explain that one to your wife. Where are you going? I don't know. Honey, I, I just don't know. I mean, we're going to follow this special star. How long are you going to be going? I don't know about that either. Well, who's going to pay for the travel expenses on this trip? Uh, we are. 
That doesn't go over too well at my house. And the dilemma just keeps going. After it's all decided that they're going to go, we've been at this uh, a long time following the star business. I mean, as the group are talking together and one fellow probably says, hey guys, my wife is going to kill me when I get home. I mean, she's had all those kids for these months now. We know what you mean, I'm sure they might have said. Well, that's okay. She'll get over it. Doesn't work at my house either. But the ultimate dilemma is this. Should these wise men do what King Herod told them to do, or should they do what they were warned about in a dream by God? To obey Herod... Or not to obey Herod. To obey God or not to obey God. That was their dilemma. Matthew chapter 2 records this. You can follow along in your Bibles. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Matthew makes it very clear that this dilemma that the wise men faced uh, uh, happened after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And while there are many nativity scenes that include the the wise men at the stable as that one back there does, Jesus had already been born. We find out and stated in verse 11... Scholars suggest that this time that Jesus, that his age was between maybe a couple of months to a couple of years. Again, there's a lot of details that are all fascinating kind of events that happened, things that we're not privy to, that is is nice to discuss and debate. Quite honestly, if you get caught up in all of that, you're the kind of person that probably drives a life group teacher insane. You know, it's like... It's got these questions again, you know. But that's not really what we want to focus on today. Who do we obey? There's so much about these wise men that are a mystery. Who were they exactly? They were called magi, or a word for a magician. As such, they were devoted to the study of stars, but more than that, it's all speculation. And a lot of folks have spent much time talking about that. How many were there? Well, we, how many were there? Let's just take a poll. How many think there were three? Okay, some of you all, there's a few hands. How many think that's a trick question? There's even more hands. Sort of seems that there were three because there were three gifts. I, maybe there were more. Where were they from? Some have suggested Arabia, Babylon, Persia. Again, we, we don't know. It's not really all that important. All we really know about these men is that they were called wise men. And verse 2 says, saying... These wise men. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? 
For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Again, we, we have no idea as to how long it took these wise men to find Jesus, but Scripture says that they did something that was very important. They followed his star. That leads them to Jerusalem. I'm sure on the trip there, they must have talked about what they expected to see. It's coming into Jerusalem. I mean, this was an incredible city at the time. Maybe they would expect to find festivities about this, 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 this person who had been born, this, this, who they were after, chasing after. Perhaps there would be streets that were closed by, for parades and people were, were out in the streets or flags were flying, shops were closed for, and schools were not in session because it was a national holiday declared or roads jammed with crowds wanting to enter the city. Special editions of, of the Jerusalem Post on every corner announcing this incredible event, this, this hot air balloon rides possibly, I don't know. Free popsicles for all the kids. Maybe they expected special services at the synagogue. Special choir special, uh, songs. But that's not what they found. What they found as they arrived in Jerusalem was just an ordinary day. People going about their business. Women buying groceries at the local market, the kids in school, the banks were open, the mail was being delivered. Everything was going on as usual. And I can imagine, maybe, okay, this is what we found. They walk around the city. They're still looking for this baby. And one of them might have asked one of the women on the street, can, can, can you... Can you tell me where the king of the Jews is? Where has he been born? Only to receive a cold stare. Like, are you crazy? Another might have come up to one of the city police officers. We heard that the Messiah has been born. Can you tell me where he is? And it's like, you know, you're a stranger around here. And the way you kind of look and your accent, you better watch what kind of parts of town you go to. Yeah. I can see them getting frustrated, perhaps, on their quest to finally find this child. We do know that before they find Jesus in Bethlehem, they cross paths with a powerful and maniac King Herod. He was conniving. He was power hungry. He was manipulative. And there's something about him that seems a bit unusual. He wants a meeting with these wise men. Verse 3 says, when, the king, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. This Herod is not a nice guy. History reports how he killed his family members whom he deemed possible threats to his throne. Maybe, I, I don't know, his families gather this 
tomorrow or this afternoon or this week. You exchange gifts, Christmas presents, and maybe you got a family member that's going to be there, and you think, they're not going to get as nice a gift as others are because I like the others more. I, nobody would do that in church, right? You, you wouldn't do that. Maybe. <laughs> but at least you weren't like the king. It's like, you're a threat? Take him out and kill him. That's what this king did. He would have no problem murdering a potential Messiah of the Jews that they were waiting and expecting the arrival of that would free them from the oppression they felt under Herod's rule. He then has none of all this king of the Jews business. But yet he needs them, these wise men, for something. He too does not know where Jesus is. He needs their help to pinpoint the place of this possible threat to his throne. So when he heard that the wise men had come to Jerusalem, Herod called them into his presence, and they must have thought, hey, this powerful guy, he's going to help us figure out where he is, and he's going to tell us, but that's not what they find. Instead, the Bible says that they find that Herod was troubled. It goes on, when Herod the king heard this, and he was troubled, and Jerusalem with, Jerusalem with him. Now, you kind of understand just a little bit of history of Herod. You understand why he was troubled because of this, this threat and how he had acted through times. But well, why was Jerusalem? Well, it says all of Jerusalem was troubled. Why would that have been the case? Well, it goes back to really Herod. Because if Herod is unhappy, Jerusalem is unhappy. The people under his reign and terror, if he's unhappy, it means more hardship on them. And so maybe these inquiries about, by the Magi about where this king of Jews is, maybe they didn't want to talk about it. Maybe they just, like, shh, keep that quiet. Because if the king finds out, it won't be good for anybody. But he had already heard about it. And the Bible says he, go on, he goes on, he assembles all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where this, the Christ was to be born. He gets his people together and he consults with the other wise men, he's these chief priests and, and scribes, and surely they'll know. And they did know. It goes back to Old Testament prophecy that found in Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem. But they didn't know when it was going to happen, and they didn't know who the Messiah would be. But they tell him, in Bethlehem and Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And so, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I'm sure Herod. Hearing that would be 
he would be threatened by what he hears. Like, this, this, this new ruler exists. He's going to shepherd these people. So then he summons the wise men, according to verse 7, secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. Let me focus on that word secretly just for a moment. Nothing, normally, good happens when it's done in secret. This is how Matthew describes Herod's meeting with the wise men. He arranges. And really, that should be a warning to us today of how we do things in secret, hidden. In fact, Jesus says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known and brought out into the open. We need to live our lives full disclosure. As a result, Herod devises a, a, a plan, a shrewd plan, to uncover this perceived threat into his kingdom. It was kind of a two-part plan, a two-pronged plan. Uh, you can call it like the first part. Plan A would be to determine the age of the child. Clever trick to determine the time when the child was born. If he could find out when the star appeared, then Herod would know how old the child was. Once he knew how old the child was, it led to what we know happened in history, was to start killing all the children who were around that age and younger. Mass killing of the children born around the time that the star appeared. Again, it shows just how... Terrible, here it is. But there's another plan also that goes with this. It was designed to determine the location of the child. Herod was forever working behind closed doors to position and posture himself to remain in power. And he sent him to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child when you have found him. Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Second part of the plan is very devious. Uncover the age of the child, find out where he is, so I could go and worship him. But like God does in so many things, what evil plans to try to accomplish, God can take it and turn it to good. When bad things seem to happen, God can take those hard things, those times of indecision, and He can use them for His good. He was doing that through this wicked plan that Herod devised. So, they, wise men, it seems, have the king's, Herod's blessing. What more could they ask for? And they respond to it in belief that, you know, 
we just go search and the Bible says after listening to the king they went on their way once uh, Herod gets this information he needs from the wise men he sends them he says report back to me and they had their marching orders and they take off and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was they continued I think this is important because this is a dilemma of obedience they continued to follow this star until it stopped at the place where Jesus was. They're being doing what they are called to do, what they were impressed to do. And while there were some detours along the way, they still remained faithful and obedient to do their mission. And verse 10 says something really wonderful. It's kind of like if they had taken kids and the, put them in the back seat of the car, those kids would have asked the age-old question, what is it? Are we there yet? You know that feeling, parents, when you get to that place, you've heard it about 20 times, times three and as that we're finally here that that's not I don't think how they responded in fact the Bible specifically it says how they responded when they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy it was a celebration and that emotion, that feeling that, that had been working up, waiting, hoping, seeing as they were following the star, as they get there, they, they're so excited. They were moved with such excitement that the Bible calls it joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and what did they do? They fell down and worshipped him. Worship. The word he used in this verse for worship can mean honor or show adoration and appreciation for with a specific kind of emotion, humility. Adoration, appreciation in a very humble way. After they have discovery, they have adoration. True worship is to fall down before Him. Maybe not literally but in a such a posture emotionally that we recognize how superior 
God is. And we go before him in an inferior position to prostrate ourselves in humility before him. True worship. True worship says that I recognize the greatness of you, God. And I'm just humbled to be in your presence. So much that I'm willing to totally surrender all that I am before you. And when surrender happens, there's something naturally that comes after that. It's obedience. We don't know exactly what the wise men believed. We do not know how much they believed Jesus to be the Son of God. But what we do know is what the Bible tells us, that there was just this feeling of awe in His presence that they fell down and and worshipped Him. And then they go beyond that. They open their treasures. They offer Him gifts of gold and frankincense and, and myrrh. They find Jesus and they're overcome with this emotion that they, they fall down and they're overwhelmed by what it is, that, who He is, and they give Him honor, and then they give Him gifts. The very best that they had for a king. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. They've, people have said what that stands for. Gold represents the wealth and splendor of royalty. Frankincense, the incense used by the priest in the temple worship, symbolizing divine worship. And myrrh, that fragrant gum used to embalm the dead, The foreshadows Jesus' death and burial. <clears throat> Where we find ourselves when we should fall down and worship, giving our best, dipping into our treasures, the things that we value most and say, I surrender these to you, God, for you to do what you will with them. It's what the wise men did. And then verse 12 kind of leads us to what I would say is the greatest dilemma of all that they faced. Do we return to Herod to give him the information They don't know exactly what's going to happen. But they sense this is just not the right thing to do. History reveals the wisdom and levity of the decision that they needed to make. For if they had made the wrong choice, Herod would have known where the child was, and no good would have come from that. But they had some help. Which really says to me there's something really incredible about this part right here is that we do not have to go about trying to do life all by ourselves. 
We're not out there as a lone ranger trying to figure it all out in this Christian life that we have. We have God's presence to go with us as, we find, as He finds us obedient. So don't ever think that you're out there all by yourself. They got help from a dream. Being warned in a dream, verse 12 says, not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. That was the big question. Do we go back to Herod as man wanted us to do, or do we obey God through this dream? interesting that that dilemma still exists today it confronts people like you and me on a daily basis different avenues of life maybe more real now than ever before in our American culture who do we obey God culture more than any other time in my life, our lives, if you profess to follow Jesus Christ, if you profess to be godly and live by His principles, you're in danger of being canceled. Earlier last month, there was a high school, high school coach, football coach in Georgia who was fired because a video surfaced where he allowed a local pastor to baptize 20 of his players on school grounds. He was supposedly fired for a different isolated situation after the, a November 3rd football game and not the baptism. It's all still under investigation. He was allowing Christian faith to happen in those kids that he was coaching who had just made the greatest decision of all to follow Jesus Christ. And a local pastor, not even the coach himself, comes in to baptize them. According to the article, some parents on the team st stuck up for the coach, a former Georgia Southern football player, and commended him for baptizing their sons. A comment on Facebook showing support for the coach said, that coach is changing lives, not just winning games. And I say amen to that. Yet, Here's he lost his job. What should a person do when he or she is faced with a dilemma of obeying either God or a human being when the dilemma before them contradicts one another? What should a person do? My answer to that is a biblical answer that says obedience to God takes precedence over everything else. Obedience to God always takes precedent 
over everything else. You say, well, I don't always know exactly what that means. I get it. And also know that if we're diligent about seeking God, He reveals Himself to us and helps us in that decision, in that dilemma. When I've been faced with a dilemma, as I described in my opening comments of the sermon, I, I come back to this thought. It's always right to do the right thing. What is the right thing? It's what God instructs me to do through His Word. It's what He instructs me to do through listening to the Holy Spirit. It's following the example of Jesus Christ. Do I always do it? I wish I could say yes. I've discovered that when I have said yes, it always lines up with God's plan. And when I have fought it and done my own thing, it ends up in trouble. Obey God over everything and everyone else. This is what the wise men choose to do. They go home a different way to avoid Herod. And in that, they were disobedient to Herod. Whether or not the wise men truly feared God is debatable. However, their actions from the story convey that they did do the right thing. What God had revealed to them to do in a dream. And that became their answer to their dilemma. Throughout the Christmas story... We've seen different dilemmas that were faced by ordinary people, just like me and just like you. While each of these dilemmas that they faced were unique to fulfilling God's plan for the birth of Jesus, depending on who they were, and they're all alike in that the dilemma of obedience was present. Joseph obeyed God when he was told to marry Mary. In spite of what it meant for him to, what he was going to personally have to suffer in marrying a pregnant girl who was pregnant with not his child, he obeyed God. He obeyed God when God told him to call his name Jesus. He obeyed God when he was warned to get up and, and take Mary and the child to Egypt until Herod died. And he obeyed God when once again the Lord appeared to him in a dream and after he had already been in, in Egypt for a while, God says in another dream, get up and go to Nazareth. And he obeys God there. Look at all the turmoil that happened in the first few years of his marriage to Mary. Mary obeyed God by saying, let it be to me according to your word. And she was willing to face possible divorce from Joseph, even the possibility of death that had been permitted under Jewish law. 
Certainly, potential scorn from family and friends and religious leaders paled in comparison to her desire to obey God. And I have a feeling that, that Mary would encounter many more dilemmas of obedience and the responsibility that God had placed on her when he said, You shall be my son's mother. You will be the mother to the Savior of the world. And while there's no definitive evidence of an innkeeper, inferences made to obedience in the use of a stable for the baby Jesus to be born, it seems that someone must have given permission for all the commotion that took place that evening when the manger was used to lay the baby's head down in. And then there were the shepherds. The lowest of the low. They believed the angelic messenger sent by God to announce good news of great joy. That would be for all people they dared to believe that the good news of great joy included lowly, rejected, and unclean people like they were. The shepherds, they demonstrated great courage to, to go and visit Mary and Joseph and the baby given the status that they had in the world at that time. Knowing the possibility when they walked in to that stable. Mary and Joseph and this other, the child. The child's parents may look down on them, but they obeyed their inkling that God said, go. And then these wise men obeyed God. When we're faced with a dilemma of obeying God or obeying men, may we have the courage to do likewise as they have done. If we do, we too will know, be known as wise men and women in the eyes of God. All of us are faced with a great dilemma in our lifetime. You may not recognize it. Maybe you've already lived through it. But the greatest dilemma that each of us will face that will make incredible difference, ultimate difference in our life is the dilemma of what do we do with Jesus? That's the greatest dilemma that each of us will face. What do we do with Jesus? The question on this Christmas Eve morning, have you settled that dilemma? in your heart. Have you obeyed? Have you listened? Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior? Are you still searching? 
It's my prayer. I'd venture to say it's the prayer of every other believer in the sound of my voice right now. That if you've not settled that question, in your heart, that would be settled today. What are you going to do with Jesus? Heavenly Father, I I pray in this heightened sense of celebration of the Christ child coming into this world. Not just any other baby as special as they are laid in a manger. That baby a few thousand years ago came to become the Savior. To save us from our sins. It is my earnest prayer, Father, that there's not a single person here to be found that has yet to give in their life to Jesus. And I pray not through any words that I've spoken or anything that any man can do, but through the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that He would deal with the hearts of someone who has yet to call Jesus Savior and Lord. And may that spirit be so present that it's causing this incredible dilemma to be going on in the heart and the mind of that person so compelled that they are saying I have to do something about this today I have to give my heart to Jesus May that person be obedient to that drawing. Right now, that you, and even as I speak, I invite you to say yes. I want Jesus. I want him to be my savior. If you did, if you've done that, you just settle it now. Then I invite you in a moment as we will stand and we will have this open invitation that you come, you share it with me, and we'll spend some time in prayer. We'll talk about it soon, but just. Don't pass it up, this opportunity right now. In Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. Please stand.
every place we turn is your goodness. No matter how good life is, no matter how difficult life is, your goodness still surrounds us, still surrounds us. Father, the question is, are we surrendered to that? To live a surrendered life to you, not just today, not just tomorrow at Christmas. To be a lifestyle of surrender, where you find us obedient. Thank you for that goodness. Father, I just pray that next this next few days as the world is keenly aware and some celebrate the birth of Jesus somehow through all of that the world would see the goodness your goodness may we be shining examples how good you've been to us by being good to others and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. May be seated, please. Man, I hope you've uh, been challenged like I have today's message for a lot of years I wondered you know why would the wise men bring gold frankincense and myrrh to a baby you know what value was that to Jesus but it wasn't about the value to Jesus it was that they were surrendering their own value trading their own value in for his worship and uh, so on that note I hope you'll be here hope you'll plan to be here this evening Uh, such a beautiful time that so many uh, of our families have made a family tradition this evening at five o'clock just a beautiful time uh, we'll have candles laid out for you all and uh, we'll have some alternative safer uh, options for our kids but just encourage you just to to come this evening as we all take communion together with our candlelight service do want to remind you too that just after the new year that uh, on tuesday june january 9th at 7 p.m our men's bible study Um, They're going to be jumping right back into the study of Romans. And if you haven't been a part of that already, uh, this is a great time to jump in. Uh, This stretch here is going to be five weeks. And so uh, just a a good time for you to kind of jump in, get your feet wet, test the waters. And uh, I trust that you will see that those are good. And um, you can can jump back out if you don't like it, but I promise that you will. It's going to be something that you'll enjoy. Our women's Bible study is also... Uh, going to be in full swing after the new year. Breathe, making room for Sabbath by Priscilla Schreier. Several options for the ladies. Um, if you um, are one of those folks that you go, man, hey, we have limited time together already as a family. Ladies, you can jump in Tuesdays at 7 at the same time the guys are having their study. You guys can uh, enjoy both of those at the same time. That way you're maximizing your time away from each other. Or maybe you're one of these you need extra time away. So uh, we have other options for you. Wednesday at 1 and uh, also Wednesday again at 6. I don't know where you are in your life right now. So. Uh, it sounds like you're going to be needing some time away too. 
maybe so. Several things. Hey, if you haven't already picked up your cards, your Christmas cards, those are available through um, the Christmas post office this evening. will be one of the last times you can pick those up. Um, I think we'll hold them over for another week or two just to make sure everyone gets theirs. Um, and um, that's all I've got, Pastor Steve. Yeah, it's a good thing you're not married, that's all I can say. I, too, want to invite you to come back this evening if you're unable to be with us, family activities or whatever is going on, then uh, you can um, take a moment and stop all those activities and join us by live stream. Kevin has set up a uh, live stream um, link so that you can watch the activities of our candlelight communion service that we've done. I I'm just curious. Um, I just quickly try to find out. Uh, are there any people here that maybe, if you could just quickly figure up in your mind that this has been a family tradition of yours, all the years that we've done it for more than 25 years? Let me see your hands. Uh, there's several here that that's been a case. More than 25 years they've made it that family tradition. It's something that, that we did at the other building and had kind of a, a break from it when we were not able to be meeting and then um, in, in a building per se like this, but once we were able to get our, the property here and have the little white building, we started the tradition back. And it's been a tradition every year. We're grateful for that. It's just a very special time of just pausing. And actually, I'm going to, I'm going to go one more dilemma tonight because there's one more dilemma that, uh, that is talked about in the Bible, okay? And it's the dilemma of Jesus. Do you know he had dilemma also? And uh, so I'm going to be talking about that in our, in our Christmas communion candlelight service, okay? Thanks again for being here this morning. Good number here. A lot of folks traveling, but you're here. It's great attendance, so thank you for coming this morning. Just stand, please, and find someone that you have... Um, not spoken to yet this morning, and we had this time of greeting, and you maybe said Merry Christmas, and I, on your way out, rather, I would rather you would say Bah Humbug. Hi, good morning. Have this a good week. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request. We would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and uh, do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.